Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, So today, among all the other adventures that we've experienced and will be experiencing in this service, uh, today we get to wrap up our extra sermon series on the book of Colossians. Uh, Last week, we kind of did a little bit of review, focused on how chapters 1 and 2 of Colossians deal with these really big things, who Christ is and and who he's made us by, by giving us his grace and mercy, especially through baptism. And then last week, we saw how in chapter 3, Paul makes a, a transition, kind of from telling us who we are in Christ to telling us what that looks like and how we ought to live. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, then there are certain ways your life should look, certain sins you should avoid, certain virtues that you should exhibit. And then today, at the end of Colossians 3 and into Colossians 4, uh, Paul gets even more specific as he shows us that this ordinary life that we lead, kind of the, the day-to-day sort of boring stuff, is made extraordinary through Christ. That nothing is ordinary, that, that our most basic relationships and everything about our life is transformed and made extraordinary through Christ. So today we're starting in chapter 3, verse 18. And there Paul focuses in on the, the Christian household. And that's kind of what Dawn was, was talking about in her introduction to the reading today. Now in the ancient world, people like Aristotle had written these things called household codes. And so Paul kind of takes this formula and then turns it on its head. He sheds new light on how these ordinary relationships, these ordinary family roles, where wives are still wives, husbands are still husbands, kids are still kids, but how in the midst of that, Everything is made new in Jesus. So as we get into Paul's words here, I want to give you another reminder, just like I did last week, that none of the stuff that we're going to talk talk about today, kind of how well we do it or don't do it, has any real bearing on, on whether we're saved or not. We are saved through a saving relationship through Christ. And this is how our new lives ought to be lived out. So let's get into the specifics right away. The first group that Paul addresses... Our wives. If you are a wife, Paul has a very simple instruction for you. He says, submit to your husbands. Now, this is a very simple thing to say, but it's become a bit of a loaded phrase over the years, hasn't it? In fact, many people, women and men alike, find this kind of offensive and, and demeaning to women. And in large part, That's because it's been misinterpreted and abused over the years to subjugate women in a way that God does not desire or condone. But we should not and we cannot allow misuse of this passage to rob us of God's good desire for wives and the importance of the instruction that he gives us here through Paul. Now I've mentioned a few times that Ephesians and Colossians are very similar in structure and in content. And that's particularly helpful here because it it gives us a little bit more of an idea of what Paul's talking about. In Ephesians 5, Paul gives the same instruction, but he prefaces it by saying that every Christian should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And in fact, in the Greek, those two sentences in our English translation are all one sentence. It's almost, almost an afterthought. It's a transition. Everybody submit to one another. Wives, to your husbands. The word submit comes from two Latin words. Uh, which means to, to send under. When we submit to one another, we are sending ourselves under someone else, lifting them up and treating them 
as if they are more important than us. Now, this idea of submission, just like the idea of humility that we talked about last week, is, is very countercultural. We live in a society where we are taught and encouraged to be as selfish as we possibly can. And yet, this word appears a number of times in the New Testament specifically to refer to Jesus. How Jesus submitted to his earthly parents. How he submitted to the will of his Father. And in fact, if you think about it, Jesus even submitted to us. He sent himself under us to lift us up from death to life. And so submission really ought to be the disposition of every Christian toward every other person. And that should be especially true of wives toward their husbands. Ladies, you have been called by God to honor and to affirm your husband, to support him in the leadership of your family. And this doesn't suggest inferiority in any way. But it does redirect your priorities to serving your husband and putting him first. Paul then goes on to show that this submission and this service is reciprocal. That it goes both ways between husbands and wives. When he says to us husbands, love your wives. Now what he means here, and Ephesians 5 is very helpful in figuring this out too, is that we are to love our wives like Jesus loved his bride church and gave up his life for her. In other words, wives are to submit to their husbands and husbands are to take this submission to an entirely new level. We are to love our wives in such a way that puts their needs always, always, always above our own. We are always to be caring for her entire well-being at the expense of our own. Now those household, code, household codes, say that five times fast, in the ancient world almost always emphasized that the husband's role was to rule over his wife. Paul instead tells us that we are to love our wives. So, husbands, are you putting your wife first? Is she more important to you than you? Are her dreams, her needs, her faith, more important to you than your own. Husbands, love your wives. Then Paul has something to say to the children. So kids, this is how you can show God that you love your mom and dad. And this is how you can show your mom and dad that you love God. By obeying your parents. Now this isn't always fun. It's not always easy, right? But this is the fourth commandment. And Paul actually tells us somewhere else that this is the first commandment of God that comes with a built-in promise. That if you obey your parents, it will go well with you and you will have long life. So kids, give your mom and dad respect and obedience because God gave you your mom and dad to teach you and to take care of you. So parents, what does God have to say to us? He says, fathers, do not provoke your children. Now, in the time period when Paul was writing, fathers had considerable authority in the household. Today, many fathers have kind of abdicated the responsibility that God has given us in in raising our children and leading our families. And I just have two very quick things to say to that. First of all, even though this instruction of Paul is specifically directed to fathers, it certainly applies to all parents. So fathers and mothers... Do not provoke your children. Don't 
Don't belittle them. Don't discourage them with constant criticism or fault finding. But the second thing that I want to say is this. Men, let us be men. Let us reclaim the role that God has for us to raise our children, to love our wives like Christ loved the church, and then to teach our kids and our entire family the knowledge and the love of the Lord. Let us not provoke our children, but let us encourage them and build them up in the faith by example, showing them what it means to follow Jesus. So this is kind of the the family unit. Paul goes on then uh, to close out this specific set of instructions by talking about bond servants, or as you saw in the, the translation that was up on the screen, slaves. Now we have no time today to get into the first century slavery and what that was like and, and kind of Paul's opinion on it and interaction with it. Uh, so for today's purposes, we're just going to say that the, the principles that Paul lays out here uh, are very applicable to the modern workplace. So for workers, for employees, Paul says to work heartily. In other words, don't go about your job half-heartedly. Don't do it to... to Please others in an insincere or self-promoting way. Don't let your work be, be super, superficial or performed in a way that, that is meant to attract attention. Instead, work with sincerity of heart, conscientiously, and out of pure motives. And then for those who oversee workers or, or those who are employers or, or bosses, Paul says to treat your workers justly and fairly. Just as God doesn't make unfair distinctions between people, neither should we. And we should never use our our social status or position as a a license for doing wrong or for belittling other people or for manipulating them or, or lording it over someone else. As Paul reminded us, we all have one master in heaven to whom we will all answer. So if you're in a position of leadership at work, this means that you should hold your workers accountable. You should help them to to work heartily, that you should reward them when they do that and treat them with the dignity and respect that God has treated you with. Paul wraps up his letter to Colossians and we wrap up kind of our our brief sermon today uh, with these last three instructions for everybody. It all comes down to, to doing these three things. First, continue steadfastly in prayer. Because we know that that none of what God teaches us in Colossians or anywhere else can be done if we're not constantly coming to God for help. Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. So that not only within your family or within the, the larger family of God, but everywhere you go, you're showing the love of Jesus so other people can see him and come to know him. And then he says, let your speech always be gracious. So that not only our actions, but also our every word gives glory to God. So our key verse for today uh, really sums this up pretty well. And uh, I'd invite you to just read this with me real quick. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Last week our key verse was, was verse 17 that, that says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we're reminded that all of the ordinary things that we do in life are made extraordinary because they are done for Christ. So whatever you do, whether as a wife or a husband, as a kid or as a parent, as a boss or as a worker, do it all in the name of Jesus 
as you go about your ordinary, everyday task, let the extraordinary love of God be evident in you. Work and live, not for people, but for the Lord. Because he is the one who worked for you, by suffering and dying on the cross, to make you truly extraordinary. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.